The Candid Frame is supported by donations by listeners just like you. Help us to bring you great conversations with great photographers. Support the show today with your monthly contribution through our Patreon effort at patreon.com forward slash The Candid Frame or click on the link in the show notes or the website at thecandidframe.com. Thank you. This is Ibarianax, and this is The Candid Frame. Happy New Year, and welcome to a new season of The Candid Frame. To begin this year, we sit down with a photographer who I've known virtually for several years, but who I only met in the real world at the end of last year. Lauren Wells is one of the photographers who you heard from in a recent episode, as she was one of the panelists at the Miami Street Photography Festival. Hers is an interesting story. As many people I've interviewed on this show, her professional life didn't begin as a photographer. Instead, she began her working life as a lawyer. The thing that led her to that career are things that many of us are very familiar with. Feelings of wanting security, financial stability, and so on. But the urge to be creative, to do something more with her life, was also pulling at her. And while it didn't come easily, she was finally able to make the leap which has resulted in her now making a living as a professional photographer. Such changes are never easy, but as you look forward to the new year, I hope that this conversation and the many others that are coming later on will help inspire you to make 2018 your year. Well, Lauren, welcome to The Candid Frame. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks, Barrier Next. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, having a chance to, to meet you in person because we've been, I think, known of each other, at least online, for a while. Yeah, and in nice weather to meet was great. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, it's very interesting checking out your story because I, I, I found it very curious that uh, you're probably the second, at least the second photographer that I've met, or that I've interviewed, who started off in a in career as a lawyer before the transition to becoming a photographer. How did you decide to get involved in the law in the first place? Uh, it was the path of least resistance. Really? Um, I wouldn't think the law would be the path of least resistance. Yeah, no, How so? was, I know, in hindsight, it really wasn't. But it was very safe. Uh, I was the oldest child, very responsible. And I was a good student. My parents, my teachers always told me I'd make a good lawyer because I had strong opinions and I expressed them. Um, and I guess I was somewhat of a logical thinker. And uh, when I got to college, the only thing I knew I wanted to do was to go abroad and um, become fluent in Spanish. That, that was a passion of mine. I had studied in Spain uh, for a bit and that didn't, I didn't know what to do with that. And I was terrified of um, going abroad without any structure, just trying to learn Spanish and then coming back to New York City where everyone and their mother speaks Spanish. So um, most of the people I knew were going to law school. And that's just what you did. It was the next step. Um, and it was a safe one for me. And I thought, well, I have three years to figure out what I want to do. By going to law school. Uh, forget the fact that I took on debt to pay for law school. It was just safe because going into the world and getting a job and I, I didn't know 
I didn't know how to do that. I was terrified. So uh, law school was it. And then I graduated law school, didn't want to be a lawyer, um, but still didn't know what I wanted to do. So I pursued that path for 16 years. Wow. That's a, that's a long run. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, I think unconsciously that somebody would knock on my door and say, hey, it's time to go this way. But it, it actually did end up, they say, you know, the, nothing is linear in life. If you want to get somewhere, usually you take a lot of turns. And I ended up moving back to Spain as a lawyer, becoming fluent in Spanish, which was one of my dreams to do. And I enjoyed a lot of aspects of the business part of my job. I met a lot of people. I had to deal with a lot of people, very difficult people, all kinds of people, which is just an asset no matter what you do in life. And it's really helped me in photography. So uh, in the end, I probably wouldn't change a thing. Maybe I'd cut down the amount of years I practiced law, but I think I still would have gone through it. You know, it's interesting because I think a lot of people relate to that experience. You know, you're, you're, you're young and you really don't know what you want to do, but the pressure is on to sort of figure it out, especially by the time that you're in you're in college, you know, your, your parents are saying, Oh, you know, what are you going to do? And then you see your friends who seem to have uh, a clearer idea than you do. Right. Right. It's all a lie. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, but it's, but it's, it's, it's a, it's sort of the experience that I think many people have. And I was wondering during that time that you were, you know, studying law and then practicing law that how, the desire to be creative, it didn't just suddenly erupt. Did did you have sort of glimmers of this, even though you were practicing, uh, practicing law? Yeah, but it was so repressed. Somebody had asked me once, I was at one of my jobs as a lawyer, and I had learned everything I could learn, and I was really bored. And somebody asked me, what would you do if you could do anything? And I said, well, I would work for a Spanish company, or I would do something creative. And I was a very creative child, as I think all children are. And I think everybody is creative in their own way. Um, I was very artistically inclined. And I just didn't think that that could amount to anything. So, And that brought a lot of joy in my life. And it, I just buried it. It was almost like a cognitive dissonance. Like you can't do that and make a living. So forget about it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to, oh, I didn't even know that I was repressing it. And it really was when I got to college that I repressed it. Because in high school, I used to, I used to do a lot of painting. People would give me their t-shirts and their uh, sweatpants. And I would do like Jackson Pollock splatter designs and and make money. (laughs) And I loved making things. So it was always there. And I'm trying to think how, and it just came back, um, when I decided to travel, I decided to take a, um, I was between jobs and I um, thought I should take a uh, photography class because I was going to go traveling for six months by myself. So I wanted to take good pictures. So when I took this photography class, it rekindled something in me that I had forgotten about. So it was always there, all these but I just didn't know how to read the signs. So was it the, the class itself or was it the traveling that, that, that really sort of ignited the spark? Um, 
it was, I would say at first it was the traveling, because that's a good question. Um, the traveling, having my camera, I was so present to everything, and everything was visually interesting, and I mean, I just couldn't get enough. But that's easy, because when we travel, everything's new. The test was when I came home, and everything that was mundane before, according to my perspective, was suddenly interesting. Uh, and to be able to photograph in my backyard, so to speak, and just be able to watch you know, people walking by on the street that I never paid attention to before really touched on something. And it brought back all those feelings of joy and creativity. And it woke me up for good and bad, um, because the good is I could never go back to the way I was and and. Um, do what's expected of me and play it safe. The other side is, okay, well, it's, it's a little harder. There's no map. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it gets scary. But uh, I don't have a choice. Yeah, that that experience, I think, resonates so much um, with me because it's, it's this whole idea that you're doing what you feel like you're supposed to. While there may be some satisfaction that comes from it, uh, it's nothing like the joy of doing something where you're being creative where you're expressing yourself yet yeah. it seems like there's so much pushback and i don't want to say it's pushback so much from society it's the pushback that you yourself give yourself absolutely and and it it's it can be such a struggle to not only sort of reclaim that for yourself but to give yourself permission to be okay with doing it absolutely so, there's so much, yeah i'm sorry go on so i'm just wondering how you know, how that experience was for you as you started thinking about maybe I want, this is what I want to do rather than, you know, continue practicing law. I discovered all of what you said after I quit my job in that I finally got the courage to quit my job. And then I still woke up every day with fear. And thinking that once I got rid of this job and started to pursue something I was interested in, I would just automatically be happy. But I woke up with the same mindset as I did when I had my legal job. And I realized that all of that conditioning, it's, look, we have different parts of our brain. There's that, we're built to survive or that part of our brain, the lizard part of our brain, really is trying, in a sense, to protect us. But I think it gets a little out of proportion. And so when I would see that I was still, I, I still have the same stresses, even though I had no stress in my life at this time, I had saved a lot of money um, when I first quit my job. So the first year or so, I had nothing to worry about. But I was worried. And that's when I woke up to the fact, wow, this is really, uh, this is, this, I have to work on this almost as much as the craft of photography or anything else. And it's the psychology and learning to live with fear. And because the more I resist all of that, the worse it gets. So it became a practice to just be okay with the fear and, um, go out into the world and I still have it to this day. And I don't think that's ever going to go away. I don't even know that it's gotten any better. It's just gotten easier 
to handle it. But the, the, the fear hasn't subsided. Just the, the, way, the, the, the ability to handle it has gotten easier. Yeah. Well, I, I want to get back to that. But before, before I do, I want to talk about your transition because it mm-hmm. didn't come easy for you. You know, to just quit your job, it, it had been something that you had sort of forestalled multiple times. Tell us about that. Um, the, the times that I had tried to move on and, and couldn't and then finally did or just. Yeah, yeah. I realized after I had this job at the, the Spanish company, which I loved, it was the best job I had ever had. And I got to live in Spain, and but I still didn't like what I was doing. But I loved the rest of my life. And I came back. There was a glitch in my visa, and somebody didn't want to. The head of get a new head of HR. They didn't want to sign um, my visa till they knew I was paying taxes and where I was supposed to in Spain and so forth. So I had to rush home within a week. So because my visa was running out. And it was just, everything became a clusterfuck. And my plan was to go back to Spain, but the company wanted me to stay in New York. So I said, well, can we work out something? Uh, And they laid me off and I got a great severance package. So I said, wow, finally, this is my departure. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went and I studied, I went traveling for six months and I lined up another job in Spain, which had nothing to do with um, law. It was working on a production um, for a production company, actually, with friends of mine. And when I got home from traveling, it just intuitively, I knew it wasn't the right thing to do. So I didn't. Now, what do I do? I don't want to go back to the law. Um, I'm now living with my parents again, and I'm in my mid 30s. And um, I decided to study yoga because I just loved doing yoga and I thought it would help ground me and I'll figure something out. Nine months went by, I still hadn't figured something out. And um, uh, a friend called me and asked if I would work part-time as a, um, a lawyer and I was going to get paid a full-time salary. So I was still studying yoga, worked 22 hours a week, um, and I took this job. And then I took a photo- I took a trip for two weeks to Greece and did a photo workshop. And I loved it. And I said, oh, duh, the light bulb went off. This is what I want to do with my life. I have the finances and I have the time. And literally the day I got back to my job, my boss said, you have to start working full time here. So... I said, okay, it's three months to get a bonus. I'll wait till then and then I'll quit. Um, And then they prolonged. It took six months to get the bonus. And I said, well, there's only six months to get the next bonus. So I'll stay. And that went on for five years. I started to beat myself up a lot that I'm such a wimp. I'm never going to quit my job. I had another opportunity to quit. I had taken another photo workshop and I came back. This time I'm going to do it. And the same boss came in and said that he was leaving and he was going to make me the general counsel of the firm. And that responsible person inside of me did not want to let him down. What it really comes down to is that there was a lot more fear under there than I was really recognizing. And so I had this excuse, well, I can't quit now because I have to do this. And 
And I started to beat myself up that I'm never going to do this. And somebody very wise said to me, you know, the more you fight it, <laughs> the more, the longer it's going to take. It's back to the resistance thing. If you just accept that this is where you are, you need to be here for some reason. And you don't know why, but if you're there, you need to be there because wherever we are in life is where we're supposed to be. And if you look at it that way, I promise you when the time is right, it's just going to happen and there's going to be no drama. So I said, okay. And I just started to appreciate what this job gave me. It gave me financial security. Um, I had good friends. I had people to interact with every day. Um, it was intellectually stimulating. So I looked at, at all the positives and then six months later, it just, I was ready and that was it. And I was out of there. Mm, that is a great so, lesson. Yeah. And I'm, you know, still trying to. You're still trying to what? I lost that. Oh, to practice that. So just to be where I am and not judge it. So tell me about that transition to trying to not just, you know, practice photography because it gave you so much joy, but now to be reliant on that to earn, earn a living. Yeah, that was also very scary. Um, the first two and a half years, I had a lot of savings. So I was able to take my time and uh, I wasn't pounding the pavement. I was I would do events for friends um, and then I would get referred from there. My brother started, um, my brother had a company in Chicago. He needed someone to photograph interior spaces for uh, stuff that he had installed. So I learned interior photography by doing that. And then I got jobs with real estate brokers here shooting um, uh, apartments. And little by little, I was honing my craft and getting jobs. And then, but I still wasn't earning enough to survive. And then um, my money started to run out and I panicked and I started to look for a temporary legal job to rely on until I got on my feet. And I pounded the pavement like crazy. And nothing was happening. Everything was falling through. And I was so scared and frustrated. And I finally said, wait a second. I am trying so hard to get a job that I don't even want <laughs> because I'm so terrified but then why am I, why did I quit my job to begin with? I might as well go back to law full time if this is what it's going to amount to. I'm miserable right now. And I remembered that letting go. And this is going to sound, it may sound crazy, but the best thing that happened to me was come December of, of that year, whatever it was, I had no money left to pay for my rent for, for January. And I've never, I mean, I've always been a saver. I've always had a dollar in my pocket. I, I just, what the frick am I going to do? And I let go. And I just said, something is going to work out. I have to trust that or else I, I'm just so tired of being stressed and, and afraid. And every day I'd wake up and just practice trusting. And it worked out. Uh, it turns out I had taken on a line of credit with a bank years before and I had never used it. So I used that line of credit. It cost me almost nothing to borrow to pay my rent for that month. And then by the end of the month, I had some jobs lined up. So I was able to pay back the line of credit. 
And I said, okay, well, I'm going to have to do this the next month. And somehow the next month, the, the money magically arrived through photography jobs. And then the following month, a job fell into my lap that was a part-time job, had nothing to do with photography. It was working on a, my computer, a laptop, anywhere, remotely, as many hours as I wanted a week or as little hours, good money, didn't interfere with my photography. And that got me through a year. And then um, it came about, it was one summer I was doing so much work for photography that I didn't have time to do this other job. And then the other job dried up. And I got terrified again. And I said, wait a second, I've just earned all this income from photography. I guess I don't need that job anymore. So it, again, it was all about trusting. Um, and that's pretty much how my transition occurred. And, um, and each year it gets a little better and I get a little more confident. I make a little more money. Um, and that's pretty much how it's going. Tell me about you know personal work because I love the work that you've done in Coney Island and I think one of the things that can be difficult for people who are trying to build a career or are trying to even transition is is finding the time for the work that really um, brings them joy as opposed to doing work that is or potentially could lead them to earning some income if not a living as a photographer. Tell me about you know making the time. For, for that kind of photography? I just do it. Uh, I used to make time where I would carve out, or I just had the time. I didn't even have to carve it out. As a freelancer, I have ups, I have enough time within a week, usually, to do something. And I would spend a few hours going out shooting. Um, and of course, in the summer, I would go to Coney Island more than the winter. Sometimes I would go in the winter, but not often. Um, I would go on the weekends. And it just brought me so much joy that it was so easy to do. I didn't have to force myself. But then I started to get a little bored uh, with street photography and everything else. And it was just hard to push myself to get out there. So I started, um, first of all, allowing myself not to want to do it. That's okay. We all go through periods where things change um, and they're usually temporary. They're usually getting us to some other point that we don't know about yet. Um, and then I just started carrying my camera around everywhere. So when I'm just out in my normal day, if I see something, I shoot it. I have my camera. And that took some of um, the pressure off of needing to want to do this all the time because I know a lot of photographers who say they just they have to shoot they have to shoot it's 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 almost the camera's attached to their arm it's and connected to their heart they have to do it and there are times that I'm just not in the mood <laughs> <laughs> um so but I haven't found it hard to create the time so to speak to separate from my um my commercial work but also now as I take inventory, each year I try to go past my comfort zone a little. And I said, what is it that I really want? And I really want to make a living more based on what I love to do. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to get uh, make my money through doing my street photography necessarily. But I want 
to do something somehow that that brings me that's connected to my personal work so for instance I love to travel um I used to live in Spain I love Spain and I wanted to go back there so I've looked at opportunities to get me back there one of them being is I'm um I have a plan to do a workshop there in the summer so I need to go after it um these things nobody's gonna hand them to me so I have uh I got a phone call, somebody, um, a company saw my work published and they had asked to do, if I would be interested in doing a commercial job for them based on my personal work. Um, We're still in discussion, but if that comes to fruition, I mean, that would be amazing to be paid to do something I was doing anyway, just because I love it. You, know, you were talking earlier about fear, about fear of transitioning and, you know, from being a lawyer to becoming a photographer. And, you know, you avidly practice street photography and your work in Coney Island. I really love for the intimacy that you're able to evoke in your photographs. And part of that is the proximity by which you photograph a lot of the people there. And I, I want to know what role, if at all, fear played in terms of you creating those those kinds of images. Fear is with me all the time. There, I'm often afraid to to shoot candidly because people, it, it's, it can be invasive um, for people. And so there is often a bit of fear. But when I feel that fear, I, I mean, I, I kind of check my intuition what, what the fear is. Is it me or is it because I'm really being invasive? And when I realize it's, if it's just me, then I have to shoot. I have to take the picture. Um, but also there are plenty of times when I'm just, when, when people either they don't see me or when they do, they're open to it. And that's part of me being open to it. There's so much of photography as psychology, at least I think so, where what I bring to the collaboration, because it's always a collaboration, whether you're, inter- whether you're speaking to your subjects or not, um, when I, my intention is, from my perspective, pure and good, then I think that emanates. And... Um, and a lot of people don't mind having their picture taken either. So it's a combination. It's the fear I just overcome it or there's welcoming and that's that's great. But either way, I'm taking the picture. One of the things I've been writing about, you know, I keep a, basically a photo ledger of my experiences. And one of the things I've, you know, been focusing on is is what you just described, that my own fear about directing the camera towards a stranger and recognizing that each time that I feel that fear or I feel that anxiety and I make the choice to make the photograph is a way of sort of building building the strength to be able to face fear. You know, yeah. instead of, you know, being so absorbed and caught up by the fear and just thinking about it, being this hamster on a treadmill that's just running and running and running, you know, and not getting anywhere. And just being so caught up in the fear and reinforcing that feeling and all the physicality that goes with it. That when I'm out 
in the world of photographing and I make the choice to make an image despite that feeling, I'm sort of developing the muscle memory of how to contend with fear. Because most times when I do make the photograph, whatever I was fearing or anxious about doesn't happen. Right. You know, right. and I have a photograph. I have a, a result that would not have happened had I not made that choice. So what you're describing, I completely uh, connect with, and it really resonates with me. And I, and it makes me realize the importance of not just photography, but any act, any and especially a creative one, that allows you to come up to that, up to that curtain, which is fear, and to be able to move through it, and do it repeatedly, so that you learn that it's okay to not only feel the fear, like you said earlier, but that you have what it takes to be able to move through it. Yep, that's so well said. And uh, I think a lot of people um, don't do certain things with photography, although they would like to because they're afraid. Uh, and uh, to me, the trick is is to just get to the edge of your comfort zone. Maybe not, you know, jump into a, a body of water with rocks at the bottom from a thousand feet. You know, maybe you start with ten feet with no rocks, or mm-hmm. but little by little you build that muscle at least for me that's how it is and i agree with you wholeheartedly so you know you had this experience years of experience as as a lawyer what what about that experience and that skill helped you when it came to the business of photography dealing with people has been the biggest um and this is for business it's um you know forget about the paperwork and the the money aspect and all of that, it's dealing with people and it is the same in every profession. And every job I have ever gotten in my life has been because, not because of my resume, whether it was good or not good enough. I've had plenty of um, interviews where my I didn't have the experience needed for the job. And um, uh, in fact, the last when I got this job at the, at the Spanish company, um, the person who interviewed me said I didn't have enough experience. And then two weeks later called me back to say, you know, I I just think you belong here and I want to create a position for you. And it was just because of the way I knew how to get along or deal with people and difficult people. And when I think that's the biggest, um, that helped me more than anything. So, and especially with photography, because people can be very sensitive about how they look if I'm photographing a person um, and uh, just learning, knowing to be patient, knowing how to just kind of put yourself in someone else's shoes and understand where they are coming from so as to create harmony, um, because it's so easy to, I don't know, to create somewhat of polarization or attention and to learn how to diffuse that tension in any situation um, is golden. So, so tell me about, uh, about, you know, having that obvious, that obvious strength uh, in terms of having that, had that experience, you know, when you're trying to make a living as a photographer, when you're in a market that is inundated with photographers Mm-hmm. So were, were you able to recognize that as a strength almost immediately, or is that something that you sort of figured out as you went along? I figured it out as I went along. It was something I re- I remembered. Once I figured it out, I said, oh, right, how could I forget? 
this is no different than anywhere else. And, and people, they hire people who they like, they rehire people who, who they like and get along with. And, you know, for me, I'm, it was a little hard for me because I'm all about the work. Even as a lawyer, I always wanted to be respected for my work, not because I got along well with the boss or this or that. And especially my personal work, I don't want to be, to get somewhere because someone likes me. If they, they need to like my work. And sometimes I won't even apply to a competition if I know, if I have a friend who's judging it. Because I just, I just want it to be because of, uh, I, I like when people don't even know who I am and they're just seeing my work. But life is, is a little more complex than that. And when you meet anybody and you connect and you like their work, when you meet them, if you like them, it just, it kind of enhances everything. And if you don't like them, it, it detracts. So it's just a part of reality. And when I realized that, yeah, it took me a while to remember that. But once I did, it was helpful. You, you said earlier about, you know, that so many of your friends and people that you knew were practicing law or being those kinds of professionals. And then when you made the transition here, I'm sure that a lot of people looked at you sideways trying to figure out what the hell do you think you're doing, right? <laughs> yes. So you know, part, of, part of being able to live out your truth is, is who you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And how did that change and how did you, what kind of choices did you make um, with respect to the people who were around you, especially once you made the decision that this is what I'm going to do? I'm lucky that I have my really good friends are just so supportive. Um, we know how to support each other and just whatever is best, whatever that person thinks is best for them, I'm going to support them and vice versa. And we can talk out the pros and the cons and they can help me get grounded. But I have a lot of supportive people in my life, even my parents who understandably were concerned. um, They also knew to just kind of maybe keep their mouth shut. (laughs) And, um, and I could sense that, you know, they were concerned, but that they just had to, you have to let your kids go. Um, and I, I'm a, I'm an adult, so they knew that they had to do that. And I think they're proud of me because they see that I've really given it my all and I really enjoy it. And I'm making, I'm making something from it. Um, and the people that didn't, uh, support me or who were judgmental, I knew it came from their own fear so I just wouldn't talk to them about it. How important was it to get sort of jacked in with your own community of creatives, especially photographers? It was, and still is important. It took me a while. And I wasn't trying. I didn't know that's what I, I needed. And then when it came about, I realized, oh, I need this. I think social media has been incredible for that. I met so many people so many photographer friends that I have today and creative friends through social media, which has been amazing. 
And, um, but I also, I'm, I'm a little bit sick of social media. I just <laughs> needed a break and I haven't been on it that much lately. It's just, it's too much, um, for me at this point right now. But, um, yeah, having, um, friends who, you know, it's not just, um, photographers and artists. I really think it's anybody who, um, everybody has a creative desire and I think being able to tap into that or uh, allow somebody to help bring it out of somebody. I mean, I have a lot of friends who are not artists, so to speak professionally, but they all have creative desires and um, most of them have creative outlets. So um, I connect to them through that as well. You said earlier that um, when you were trying to get out of it, you had this sort of inner voice that was sort of speaking to you, saying, you know, you need to make a change. You're not happy doing this. It was really difficult to move past that. And it seems like, especially over the last, you know, several years, not only have you gone out and become a professional photographer, but you're doing a lot of things that really sort of serve you. And I'm wondering, what what do you do now? Do you have any sort of practice that allows you to sort of continue to sort of reaffirm you, your ability to listen to that inner voice rather than, you know, uh, succumb to the fears, if, you know, succumb to the anxiety? Yes, it's called being so sick and tired of feeling fear and anxiety <laughs> that something has to change. Really, I mean, I, I told you earlier when I quit my job as a lawyer and I had nothing to worry about. I got to sleep as late as I wanted in the beginning and I'd still wake up stressed and fearful. So I knew it was me and it wasn't anything in my external environment. And I knew that I had to, I had to learn how to deal with it. And that made it much easier because, well, if it's just me, then it's in my control to change that. Um, it is a habit that I try to cultivate. It is hard. It's like anything else. Practice helps a lot. And I don't know that, uh, I don't think anyone, well, unless, you know, some of the enlightened people on the planet, but I am sure, certainly not one of them. I think we all have these kind of fears. I don't know that they'll ever go away, but I, I used to do, um, formal meditation where I would sit and close my eyes and and now I just try to watch my thoughts and when I go negative I see myself looping and I see how my body gets stressed or vice versa if my body's stressed my thoughts will start going negative so I try to just step away take a breath and not get into the weeds of it and just not resist it, just, okay, I'm having a bad moment. And that moment can change in an instant. And again, it's all about not resisting and just letting go. So I, I practice that every minute that I'm aware of it. It's a good skill to have. So, yeah, needed. So, so my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore on their own, and it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that photographer be and why? Okay. Well, I have two. I couldn't decide, so I'll just mention them both really quickly. Um, the first is John Crawl. 
he's a good friend of mine and he um he used to be a journalist for the Miami Herald uh and some other uh newspapers in Florida and his work is just soulful and humble and it, as is he um and he's coming out with a new edition of a book called Cracker which is about Florida cowboys and um it's just lovely. So he's the first one. And then uh, the second one is Evganya um, Arbuguayva. She was born in uh, somewhere in Siberia. I don't, she doesn't live there anymore, I don't think. But as a child, she uh, grew up there. And in this small military town, um, and she had some nostalgia to go back to visit where she had grown up as a child and she took the most incredible pictures of this dilapidated place and made it look almost fantasy-like. Um, and they're just, it's just beautiful work. Oh, I look forward to checking that out. Yeah. It's really great. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for sharing your time with me again. It really was a, a pleasure. Thanks, Abarionex. It was really nice to be here. Thanks to Lauren for spending time with me. Check out her work by visiting LaurenWells.com. One of the ways I'll be working to change what we offer here at TCF is writing regular blog posts on our site. They'll come out each Wednesday, and you'll find them at TheCandorFrame.com. My first article talks about ISO and how to use ISO to ensure a sharp photograph. I hope you find it helpful. And you can show your support of The Candid Frame by writing a review in the iTunes store. It not only helps our ranking, but it helps us to stand out among the many thousands of podcasts that are out there. If you believe in what we're doing, take the time today to write a review. It only takes a few minutes and will make a huge difference. You can also support the show by making a monthly contribution through Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash The Candid Frame, or you'll find a link in the show notes and The Candid Frame website. Or if you just want to make a one-time contribution to the show, you can do so via PayPal by clicking on our Donate button on the Candid Frame website or show notes. Thanks to Brandon Witch for his recent contribution. Thanks for letting us know what the show means to you. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free Candid Frame app, available for Apple iOS and Android. Not only will you immediately receive the latest episode on your phone or tablet, but you can now easily share your favorite episodes on your social networks and help spread the word. And if you want to drop me a line with comments or suggestions for the show, you can email me directly from the app. Download it today by clicking on the link in the show notes or the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor. You can find at theothermartintaylor.com. The show's senior producer is Cynthia Parker. And our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at simply at IbadianX. And this is IbadianX, and this is The Candid Frame.